welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, May 26, 2021. I'm Rick Morton, and this is the Defender Podcast. Thanks again for joining us today here on the Defender Podcast. We're today uh, going to be joining into a conversation that happened several months ago as part of a webinar uh, aimed at foster parents. And the topic of this conversation is about parenting uh, older children who have come from hard places. And so today, uh, our conversation is going to be led by Jesse Jacobs, who is a social worker in our Huntsville office. Jesse also works with our church engagement team and and helps us to connect with churches around the Huntsville area. Um, She's joined in this conversation by Carrie Dean, who is a mom through foster care. Uh, She and her husband have a child in care who is also a mom. And so they've had the complexity of bringing two generations into their home. And she's going to talk a little bit about that. And then also, Jesse is joined by Chris and Alicia Johnson. Chris serves as our National Director of Church Partnerships. Uh, He and his wife, Alicia, both uh, served in the administration of Governor Bevan in Kentucky. Uh, Chris as as a special assistant to the governor. Uh, Alicia as a special assistant to the first lady. Uh, And and they really worked in the area of child welfare and, and bringing the church to bear in uh, in child welfare. Uh, Chris and Alicia are adoptive parents. They have been foster parents. They're known on social media. Maybe many of you will recognize them by their hashtag Johnson Dozen. Uh, and the Johnson Dozen is uh, Chris and Alicia and their three biological children and their 10 children who have come home uh, through adoption. Uh, Chris and Alicia have extensive experience in in both in adopting and parenting and fostering uh, children that have come from from hard places. And so we're going to, without further ado, get to that conversation. But before we get there, uh, we want to take a moment just to, um, to, to talk a little bit about Bridge Educational Services. Bridge Educational Services is a part of the Ministry of Lifeline Children's Services. Uh, and we know that right now, as summer break is upon us, that this can be a great time for, for families to, to have extra help uh, in tutoring their children to help to, to think about your child's next school year. Bridge Educational Services customizes an educational plan for you and for your child that employs cutting edge techniques. Uh, and that plan is filtered through a biblical worldview. Um, if you're interested in uh, either the assessment services or the tutoring services of, of Bridge Educational Services, we invite you to reach out to us. You can check out in our show notes for more information of a way to get connected, to, to get more information, or uh, also to connect with one of our educational specialists. And so without further ado, we want to to now go to, to Jesse Jacobs as she leads this conversation uh, about parenting older children uh, that have come home through foster care and adoption. So my name is Jesse Jacobs and I'm a social worker at Lifeline here in our North Alabama office. We're based out of Huntsville. And right now I work with our foster care and I do some church engagement with Chris Johnson, who you guys will hear in a little bit. 
Um, I would like to give a special thank you to Sydney Herman. You won't see her tonight, but you may very well hear from her if we have any tech issues. She's here and she's behind the scenes helping us out. So big thank you to Sydney. All right, I'm ready for us to get started. I wanna say thank you so much to our wonderful panelists. So glad you guys are here. We have two families joining us from South Carolina and then the rest are from Alabama, some in central Alabama and then the more family from here in Huntsville. So, so glad you guys can all be here and I can't wait for us to learn from you tonight. I've had a lot of fun calling you and I'm sure we've talked longer than you've cared to to me getting ready for tonight and it's gonna be wonderful to learn from you guys. So our first panelist tonight is Miss Carrie Dean. And Carrie, I'm gonna let you share with us a little bit of your story. Carrie and her husband, Justin, have three biological children. They're five, two, and six months old. Um, they've been foster parents since 2017 and are currently fostering a teenage foster daughter who has a three-year-old son who lives in the home with them. So Carrie, share with us a little bit about how you decided to open your home specifically to teens in foster care. Um, hey, Jesse. So glad that we could all get together. This is going to be great. I'm really excited. Um, we ended up with a teenager kind of only by God's will. Um, we had fostered infants to begin with. And when our daughter, who's my second child, was about four months old, we got an email from Lifeline saying that they were looking um, for placement for a teenager who had a young child. And I took a screenshot, sent it to my husband, and um, I just felt I had never once even considered a teenager until that email came across my screen. And just something about it, it can only be, I mean, it's just God. <laughs> and um, she fit our family perfectly. She's great. So it was just a sign. <laughs> Thank you so much, Carrie. And um, before I forget and before we get too much further, I did want to mention that for the sake of our CEU, DHR defines an older child as any child above seven. So for you in the audience, you may hear us referring to older child or teen throughout the evening and each family will have different stories like Carrie, you're talking about a teenager, but when we're saying older child or teen, it can be anyone over the age of seven. So Carrie, thanks so much for sharing that. I want to get back to that. I mentioned that you have a teen in your home who has a three-year-old in your home. Can you talk to us a little bit about those dynamics? What does that look like? What does that look like for your family, for her birth family, all of those things? Um, it's, uh, I feel we've just come so far, so it's hard to kind of to even look back. Um, he is three. He, when they moved in, he had just turned one. It was the weekend after his first birthday. Um, he is amazing. And it's just funny because we write like grandma as my title for like pickup paperwork from preschool and stuff like that. So that was always just kind of funny. But um, the dynamic's interesting because she would, she'll actually be my age when he is her age. So it's just like the funniest little situation. But um, his um, dad is still in the picture. He always has been. He's a great teenage guy. He's um, a wonderful dad. We have literally never bought a package of diapers. Um, he's just really great. His family is also really wonderful. I think part of the dynamic that makes things, um, made things, especially on us, especially easier, I guess, in the beginning, um, even though we didn't know them and we didn't even know our daughter, right? Um, she is Latina and they are also, and so they are a Latino family. And I think that just kind of being able for her to spend time with them in a culture that she felt more comfortable um, was kind of one less thing that was taken away from her when she was put in foster care. So 
I think that that was just a big part of it. And again, like they had been with his family had been alongside her through her entire pregnancy. Um, They were there when he was born. I mean, so they, they, they're really great. It's, I cannot be more thankful for their presence. Um, Her birth family, it's like all foster care. It's complicated. Um, They um, live out of the country. So it's just, we just haven't had a very close relationship with them, but she does. And so we just support her in that. And just, um, you know, when it's good days, it's, we talk about things being wonderful and we just try to support her and them and their relationship together. Absolutely. So throughout the night, we're going to hear from a lot of different families with a lot of different scenarios, but I think yours is so interesting because of those dynamics. I mean, it's like every birth family dynamic you could possibly have, you have, because <laughs> there's really three different families. Yeah. <laughs> so I, just, I love that. And I love that you actually kind of corrected me while we were coming up with the draft for what we wanted to share tonight. Um, I had actually said that you were caring for your teenage daughter in care and her son. And you pointed out to me that you're not caring for her son. She's caring for her son. And And so I I love that. And I love that you have children his age and that kids (laughs) can do things together. That's just so neat. So as we move on, can you share with us, what do you think the biggest challenge has been when you've taken in a teenager and she has a toddler in the home too? What's the biggest challenge there? The biggest challenge, I think, is kind of something that would come even if she did not have a child. And it's just, it's a trust thing. And it's, my husband has explained it the best, and I'm just using his words. But with a baby, making them feel safe is a little bit easier. You come to them when they're crying. You feed them. They're clean. You know, like all of the basic life necessities. And you love them and you hold them. But with teenagers, making them feel safe is a whole different game because they're not going to come to you and cry every time they're scared or they're not even going to say that they're scared. And so it's just kind of having to, it takes a lot longer or it feels like it does anyway to just build that felt safety with them that they, this is, they're okay here. And then her allowing us to be around her child was, I mean, a huge privilege anyway. We're total strangers to her. And so I think that just, he, it was kind of an icebreaker though, because we had a baby, she had a baby. So, you know, there was a little bit of that we could talk about, you know, breastfeeding and just like all of the mom things. And so it was, that was helpful, but it was also definitely, I mean, if I were her, I could see why it would be hard to trust brand new people. So I think just building trust with teens is just um, something I'm definitely not an expert in, but is, um, was definitely the hardest part. Absolutely. And that idea of felt safety and helping the older children and teenagers feel safe in your home. I feel like that's a theme that everyone's going to hear echoed throughout all of the different stories tonight, because that's the goal, right? When someone comes into your home, you want them to feel safe. That's like the primary thing. And I love that she's found that with you guys. Um, Your story is so wonderful. We were talking about challenges and I know that's a challenge, but switching to challenges for you and Justin, how do you guys set boundaries in your own life and your own marriage when you have a older foster child in your home? Um, that was something also nobody prepared me for. Like my kids go to bed, the little kids go to bed at seven o'clock. So like they're in bed, but teenagers, they don't just leave. (laughs) They're there and they're, you know, they're hanging out and they're just not gone. And so I think it was just, um, not, you never, we never had to have like a conversation about it, but it was just like you do with any other kid. It's like, you know, you have, um, 
time where they can tell they're not little kids. Like they know like, Hey, they're having a serious conversation or, you know, it looks like they're maybe going to have dinner together tonight. And even if it's at home and then just obviously going out too, but she was, um, I feel like she's just so great. I mean, I just can't like, she's, she knows, but I think it was just making sure that we were very clear with what our expectations were from day to day with me and Justin, just, you know, okay, tomorrow the kids have this and Jenny has this and, you know, whatever. And so it was just kind of making those just communication, just like everything else was just maintaining that even with um, sometimes having a third person hanging around with you. Absolutely. I think communication and making sure that you have clear expectations is going to be a, a key takeaway from tonight for sure. Boundaries are so important and you guys do a great job of that. Um, I just encourage anybody who has any questions for Carrie, you can put those in the chat. When you chat in a question, be sure to put Carrie's name next to it or whoever's name you'd like to address. That way at the end, when we come back for questions, we know who you guys are talking to. So Carrie, thank you so much. Um, before you. we let you go, and I mean, we'll come back to you at the end, but before we move on, what would you like to have as your one word of encouragement to all of the audience members tonight who maybe are considering having an older child or teen come into their home for the first time? Um, don't be afraid. And especially if I don't, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. I was just like, yes. And I think the biggest thing, biggest word of encouragement I could be is just meet them where they are. Don't try to change anything that they're, where they're at. Don't push, you know, it's, it, everything will happen like it's supposed to happen. And just loving them right where they are is the biggest thing I can say. Our next family tonight is an extra special treat. The Johnson family, Chris and Alicia are such wonderful parents. Chris serves with Lifeline as our National Director of Church Partnerships. Um, they have three biological children, seven adoptive children, and have opened their home to over 40 children and teens in care. Um, Chris and Alicia have been married for 25 years, so we've heard a lot from some folks who are close to 25 years old, and now we're going to hear from Chris. We are, we are not in our late 20s. We late 20s. <laughs> have been married for 25 years, so you guys just start us off tonight um, telling us a little overview of your experience with fostering and adopting older children and teens. Sure. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We're so glad to be able to connect with all of you. Um, just like many of your stories, we never started out um, on this path. For us, we wanted to stay underneath um, our children's birth order. So we were only doing littles and babies at the time. But, you know, just as all of you have said, you know, God sees our plans. And then he kind of, I say, he laughs and says, well, let me show you. And so as we got involved in the system, we quickly realized the huge need that there was for sibling groups and then for those older teenagers who were getting ready to age out of the system. They had a little bit more, um, some of them had a little bit more baggage that they were carrying through the ex because of the extent of their time and care. And so we um, 
were just thrown in the face with the opportunity to test the well. It really wasn't testing the waters, but just to jump in to um, the teams. And that was through a young man who was in our church, who was 17, getting ready to age out of the system and needed a forever family. And a caseworker just called and said, listen, we, we really need a plan B for this kiddo. Um, will you just kind of, you know, put your radars out and, and see if you can find someone to keep him in his little network. And sure, you know, the standard Christian thing to say is sure, we'll pray for that individual that God would send someone into that life, into their lives. And lo and behold, um, that was our first teenager experience who is now um, our oldest um, 26. And so after that first one, we were just down, literally downhill from there. If we can tackle one, we can tackle them all. And so that was just what God used to open wide the doors to say yes to those sibling groups and to say yes to those teenagers um, because they needed to experience love. You guys can all see why we love the Johnsons. Say yes to them all. <laughs> and they have a hashtag called the Johnson Dozen. It cracks me up every time I see it. <laughs> Chris, you guys have had over 40 children come through your home. Can you talk to us tonight a little bit about attachment and that idea of safety coming into the home? That's got to look so different between each individual child. So talk to us a little bit about attachment and bonding. Yeah, and I think that's especially, you know, different if, you, if you've only fostered younger kids. It's going to look a little bit different for a teenager. And it's been, it's been mentioned several times here tonight. So many times there, there's, there's a couple different directions teens can go. And, and one of the biggest issues is, Alicia just referenced that when they come, when a teenager comes to us, most of the time, those teens have been in care for, for a longer period of time. And so they're jaded by the system. They, they've, they've been let down over and over and over again. Oftentimes, they've been in multiple placements. They've been moved around, moved around. They've been in a group home. They have felt like no one uh, loved them or cared for them. I had one, one big old strapping 16-year-old football player, teenage boy one time that just laid in my lap and wept like a baby. And he said, Mr. Chris, I'm just not made for a family. I'm just not made for a family. And, and so there's, there's so much. And, and again, he had, he'd been through so much. And he literally, the next day, went and self-sabotaged and made a death threat against his case manager and ended up so that he could blow the place because he just, he was starting to feel a little bit of comfort and he just didn't know how to handle that. Um, and, and so you have to, you have to recognize where, the, you know, what these kids are bringing into your home. And we oftentimes, we see behaviors, we see these different responses. And we, again, we, you know, we think from our perspective, we're like, oh man, finally you're in a safe place and we're going to give you a great home and you're, you're going to love it here and it's going to be awesome here. And, and in their mind, they're thinking, oh, yeah, I've heard this. You're the fourth person that's told me that in the last two months. You know, I've heard this before. I've seen this before. And I still have to take care of myself. And I still have to, I'm going to be the only one that I can count on. And so it, it takes really just kind of understanding where they're coming from, where they're at, meeting them at their point of need. That's what Christ did for me, right? I was helpless, no way to get to him. He stepped into my brokenness in the person of Jesus Christ. He met me at my point of need and then brought me to where I needed to be. And that's what we have to do with these kids. We have to just recognize where they're at, their struggles, and give them space. We have to be, we have to be grace-filled. We have to recognize the, the trauma that's there and then just really, um, you know, recognize each child as an individual, too. You can have even you know, two kids that have been in brother and sister that have been in the same group home for we had, we had a sibling group that came to us that had been in the same group home for six years, but they were completely different kids. 
and didn't even really ally brother and sister because their experiences were so different. And so you have to meet each child where they are and then just pray that God gives you wisdom to know how best to relate to them and how best to connect with them. And then you just love them and love them and love them and love them. Absolutely. And um, I'm sorry, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit because something you just said made me want to ask this now. Talk to us about those challenging times, those challenging behaviors and, and give us some strategies and tools that you guys have used along the way. Yeah, we, when, when you, especially when you've done it, I mean, we, we ended up kind of specializing in teens. So we had a lot of different teenagers that would come through. And we even, for a season, had a, a teen mom together with her son as well. And so appreciate what the Dean family is doing there in her life. And uh, we, we still hear from her regularly. But, um, but yeah, we, we've had some challenges. We've had some, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with kids that have, have been through this much trauma, there's, there, it's not going to be a bed of roses and there's going to be some, some challenges. We've, you know, you, you need to have a handyman on call um, <laughs> because you're going to have some holes in the walls every now and then. You're, um, I think the, the most, probably the, the biggest one, and I, and I hesitate sharing it sometimes because I don't want to scare people off, but, you know, one time I was woken up at three o'clock in the morning with flashlights shining in my windows from the police officer who uh, asked me if, um, if, if I had loaned out my Suburban. And I said, no, but I can probably pretty much guess who has it. And went back to the bedroom to find that our 14, 13, I think it was 14 year old at the time, 14 year old, that's not old enough to drive, not even in Florida where we were fostering at the time. Um, but he had taken our car for a little jewelry ride and ended up leaving the police on a high speed chase through the woods of the middle of nowhere in Florida and ended up totaling one of our vehicles. Um, but you know what? We, we, we went and met him at the hospital <laughs> and, uh, and literally helped nurse him through that. He ended up because he had some other things on his record as well, went away for a little while, but whenever the time came, we stood before the judge and he's like, are y'all willing to take him back? And we said, yeah, bring him on, let's, let's do it. We, and, and that was, I think the first time he'd ever had a place where he could come back to after something like that. And so again, just needing to hear, experience grace, what that's about. So yeah, we've, we've definitely had our share of challenges um, and it's, you're gonna have those ups and downs. But here again, you're going to have a lot of those similar things with biological kids yeah. as well. Teens are teens, and they go through hard times and struggles. Um, it's, it is added an extra layer of complexity because of the trauma that they've been through. Um, but you you just you you got to meet them where they are. You got to show grace and just keep pointing them to the gospel. Keep pointing them to Christ. Let them see unconditional love lived out. And and it's amazing. We've had some of the most hardened kids you can never even imagine. Um, that just by seeing it lived out, they've come to know Christ. And um, some of those are a part of our forever family now. Some of them we still have connection with. Some stayed with us even after they turned 18. And we'll, they'll still Facebook message us every now and then. And so um, you, just, you just let God work through those, those difficulties. Thank you so much, Chris. You guys are just a treat to learn from. I mean, we really could just listen to you all night long because y'all are just that good and that expert at it but at this point with so many kids that have come through and, and Alicia, more by mistake than on purpose I <laughs> Alicia I want to I want to give this this last one to you I know audience y'all are going to have a lot of questions for the Johnson family so go ahead and, and start sending those in but Alicia what is your word of encouragement to our audience tonight who may be considering opening their home up you asked what my one word was no not one word oh, just a closing statement of encouragement. I will not keep you to one word. No. Yeah. So let me just keep it real because I have the tendency of, of doing that anyway. Um, you know, and there are so many of you as we're reading through the comments that you are not yet 
Um, so you're on the fence. So that's a good thing. So um, what I would want to say to you was that um, these children, these teens, these sibling groups, they need to know and experience what unconditional love is. Nuts and bolts of it. Unconditional love. Um, we have the privilege and the honor of having a heavenly father who sees us in our good times and our bad times and makes the choice and has proven himself true to be, um, to show us that unconditional love. And so now I have that joy and I have that privilege to show unconditional love to any kiddo, kiddo that comes into my home. I get to be, God has chosen me, God is choosing you to be his hands and his feet to speak into these children who come from hard places and be just that one who makes that little imprint in their life, whether they stay with you, whether they move on, but you are the one who's making that little imprint in their life, showing them the unconditional love of Jesus. Wow. I just, I love you guys so much. And when we called to prepare for this call, I think our phone call was about an hour and a half long because I just had so many questions and, and being a new foster care worker, I had all of the questions that probably everyone in our audience is going to have for you guys. So you guys, thank you so much for being here tonight. I'm sure we'll have all the questions for you in just a few minutes. Thanks guys. Thank you all for coming and being part of our CEU. Really, I just wish that we could be together in person and um, just be enjoying each other's company. Panelists, you guys did amazing. Audience, you guys were so engaged the whole time. And I really just hope that if you have children in foster care or if you have adopted, that this was something that was refreshing to you and made you feel supported and like you were a part of a big community of this. And if you're considering this for the first time, I hope that this has inspired you to take the leap because um, yes, it's hard, but you definitely can do it and the Lord can work in awesome ways through this. Before we go, I need to share with you guys about next month's CEU. I hope everyone on here will go ahead and sign up for that one. Lynn Beckett will be discussing sibling conflict. So this can tie right on into this one where we, we can pick up where we left off. So in that one, you're going to learn how to navigate sibling con conflict and begin to explore how you can use conflicts as opportunities to teach and train your children in conflict resolution. So I feel like where this one ended, that one can pick up because we've talked a lot about siblings tonight. So you guys can catch that one on January 12th. Um, after this, we're going to send you guys an evaluation and a link to the recording of this on Monday, and I will see if I can get the resources, uh, maybe a resource list put together and send it out with that. I'm sure we can make that happen. Thanks so much, guys. You've all been wonderful. And if you have any questions, just reach out to Lifeline and we can be there for you. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast. <music>